You know, we're used to Ottawa and Alberta trading jabs, right? About just about anything. But this one was a bit of an odd one, even for, uh, you know, I've lived in, lived in Ottawa. I've covered federal politics, lived at Edmonton when I was a kid for a while. This all started when Parks Canada, of course, a federal agency, decided to restrict personal vehicles at one of the most popular tourist destinations in Banff National Park. Of course, Banff is a national park. It is in Alberta. The federal agency announced on Friday it was closing the Moraine Lake Road to most personal vehicles and would make visitors take its shuttles, local transit, or commercial vehicles to visit uh, the Blue Alpine Lake. It is a beautiful spot, and it is a world-famous spot. Lots of people want to go there. I was reading somewhere that last year they had 5,000 cars turned away per day, I think, and 900 let in, something like that. Anyway, it's become a bit of a mess. Um, So this is how they proposed fixing it. Jed Cochran is the visitor experience manager for the area. He says it was a necessary decision to improve people's trips. We just really want to be clear with people that they need to make arrangements before they come to see Moraine Lake. That's make a reservation on a Parks Canada shuttle, book with a commercial provider, take Rome Transit. Uh, Any of those options are things they can do and arrange ahead of time. So that sounds relatively reasonable, right? There's lots of places in the world you go to that are so busy you can't park near them. Uh, But this came as a bit of a surprise to the Alberta government. And it is, um, the park is in Alberta, even though it's a national park. And so the reaction was, you know, somewhat predictable, but they didn't think this sounded reasonable at all. Uh, On Monday, the Minister of Forestry, Parks and Tourism, Todd Lowen, called on Ottawa to reverse the move, saying it would limit access to the area that it will reduce visitors and act as a barrier to stuff such as sunrise and sunset activities. It's not the only spat that's going on. We'll talk about all of them. Uh, But joining us now to do that is Dave Breckenridge. He's the managing editor of the Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun and host of the 10-3 podcast. Dave, welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. We always love a good spat, right? So tell me about this one, because if from the outside, I've been there, from the outside, you're thinking, that's logical. You've had that much sort of problems with parking and access. You might as well just find a new way, but it didn't land well, did it? Well, yeah, it didn't land well. I'm, I'm kind of surprised by the provincial government's response to it as, you know, as you mentioned off the top, the park is in Alberta, but it falls under the purview of the federal government. And if they decide, if Parks Canada decides that an area is overused and they want to kind of rein that in, that's kind of well with within their right to do so. Sure, some consultation would have been nice, but what would consultation have done in this case? The Parks Canada would have said to the provincial counterparts, we're going to close vehicle access, and, and the province doesn't really have any leg to stand on to say, no, we don't want you to do that. I get the the frustration among users, especially, you know, I've spent some time in the last couple of days since news broke looking at all the beautiful photos that people get at sunset and sunrise of this area. And that's the fact that people want to go there at particular times of day for the view, for photography, and they can't go there now because they can't drive their personal vehicle and there's no commercial vehicles running at early morning hours would frustrate a lot of people. People don't like the idea of having an area that they once had free access to being restricted. So I can understand that as a, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Banff national park. I go camping there every summer. Um, The idea that, you know, they want to shut down an area. If someone said to me, no, we're going to close down Johnston Canyon to hikers after 500 in a day, I'd be pretty upset, right? That 
or you can't park at Johnston Canyon anymore. You have to take a shuttle from the town all the way in. It would just add another bit of hassle to your day. But at the end of the day, I don't know. I, I, I saw the response from the provincial government and I kind of laughed. I thought, well, of all the things, I know that I know that the, the UCP government in Alberta likes to fight with the federal government. But of all the things, this, this one came, seems kind of silly from my perspective. Yeah, I mean, obviously they need to have decent transit in place if they're going to do this, right? You need your alternative mm-hmm. has to be better than than the alternative. <laughs> so there's there's that. But it seemed like, I mean, and this is no, I haven't been there recently, um, but it seemed like it's become so popular that they were turning away many more cars than they could actually let in. And therein lay the problem. It wasn't the access. It was that there was too much demand and it led to sort of a certain amount of traffic chaos and people weren't getting in anyway. Yeah, I mean, Banff is one of those places. And for listeners out there, trust me, I know Vancouver, where where you're based, that has beautiful vistas and you can see the mountains. I get it. But for listeners across the country who've never been to Banff National Park, it is a wondrous place. And so I'm not surprised that a site like Moraine Lake would have a swell of people every summer. And it just seems every year that I go there, it seems to be busier and busier and busier, especially during covid when people were looking for outdoor activities to do, a lot of people were flocking to Banff. And so it, it is tricky. Like, it's one of those things that that's Parks Canada's mandate is to protect the natural landscape in these areas, right? And if so, if there's uh, too many vehicles flocking to the area, if, you know, garbage and, and traffic and all of the things that that kind of go against the natural beauty of, of a national park, I kind of get where Parks Canada is coming from. That said, again, like the idea that you don't have an alternative, you have to pay now. So you go to Banff, you pay your parks fee, you pay your campsite fee or your hotel fee, you're potentially paying more, you're paying a premium to eat and drink in a, in a place like that. And then on top of that, oh, I want to go take a look at this natural beauty of Moraine Lake, and now I have to pay for a shuttle bus to go there. Like, it's, it is one of those things that I can't see the rollout being popular regardless of how it went. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that the Parks Canada has to balance off with, with, you know, being a tourist destination, but also being a protected area. Yeah, a victim of its own success in certain ways. If people in Alberta were feeling a little grumpy this week, this clip from uh, the Prime Minister may have had something to do with it. I think it would be great if Alberta were to realize that this is part of moving forward. We've seen for a while Alberta hesitating around investing in anything related to climate change. Yeah, I think there's a role for provinces with surpluses and with the capacity to be investing in their future and their workers' future. Well... If there's one thing I noticed all the op-eds this week, if there's one thing Albertans can get behind is, yeah, thanks for that, uh, Justin. <laughs> it was, that clip was landed like a lead balloon, or that quote landed like a lead balloon in Alberta this week, I noticed. Uh, and it brought up conversations about sort of the, the just transition, as, as it's called, trying to prepare for a shift away from burning fossil fuels. But if you're going to try to make friends in Alberta, that's probably not the way to approach it. Well, I, I mean, to begin with, the the... The quote that you just played from Prime Minister Trudeau, he was talking in, in, in broad terms about Alberta's environmental record, but he was also talking about Alberta needing to do more when it comes to carbon capture, utilization and mm. storage. But he forgets that Alberta has been doing it since 2008 when Ed right. Stelmack was premier. He, he brought in these big, this whole idea around carbon capture and storage. And, it, you know, there are some people who say that it, it, is a fad it doesn't do it won't do what 
people say it will do in terms of carbon emissions and reductions. But the idea that Alberta hasn't been doing anything or that Alberta isn't doing enough, (laughs) it's the kind of thing that politicians really need to be careful in, in how they speak. Alberta Premier Daniel Smith gets criticized for not wanting to work collaboratively with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. It's kind of a, a track record in Alberta, you know, how collaborative a relationship is the provincial government going to have with the federal government, but it works both ways. And for Justin Trudeau to turn around and say, well, Alberta doesn't really seem to care or seem to be doing enough to deal with emissions or climate change, it isn't necessarily the best starting point for a conversation when it comes to collaboration or or when you want to bring in legislation like the just transition which um has been talked about a lot the last couple of days it's what does that mean for alberta and how is that going to affect jobs and how is that going to affect an economic sector that that brings in a lot of wealth not just for the oil industry in canada but also for the government of the governments of alberta and canada you know, Dave, what I worry about here is that I think the transition is happening. Um, I think Alberta is probably really well positioned to be very successful with it. All the all the know-how is there from having been an energy power for so long. Uh, but it's going to take collaboration between Edmonton and Ottawa. And sometimes you hear, you know, you sort of think, oh, well, there goes Danielle Smith. And then you think maybe the prime minister is going to be smart enough not to say anything controversial for a little while. And then he comes out and says something like that. And you're like... I don't, you know, wow, like, wow, here we go. You know, anyway, it has been, um, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. You you cut off there for a second. I apologize. Um, Yeah, it it is one of those things where you wonder, well, what is Daniel Smith going to say next? And what is Justin Trudeau going to say in response to that? And then it becomes a whole boxing match in a sense like we're we're commentating on a sporting event this person took this shot and what does that mean and then this person took this shot at, at that person and what does that all mean as opposed to talking about you know what is alberta doing to to address some of the issues that the federal government wants to address and how is the federal government responding to the fact that you know when it comes to this idea of a just transition transitioning people away from jobs in the resource sector to perhaps more sustainable jobs. And that's, you know, federal natural resources minister, Justin, Jonathan Wilkinson apologies has said he wants to reference the future legislation using the term sustainable jobs, as opposed to just transition. What does that mean? And how do these workers go from these, these positions where they may not have had to have a lot of education that, you know, that they, making arguably pretty good money and to turn around and say, well, you can't have that job anymore because it doesn't meet with the goals of the federal government. We're going to have to put you in another job. Well, what jobs are those going to be? What are those jobs going to look like? How are you going to train me for those jobs that you don't want me to have anymore? How are you going to train me to, to get into a new position? And what does that mean for me and my family? Do I get to stay where I'm living? All like all of these questions that come up, what does the just transition look like? And it, and it, unfortunately feels more like politicking on the part of the the federal government uh which leads to these kind of you know not really outlandish responses but hyped up responses from the provincial government if the federal government is pursuing emissions caps and targets that are too aggressive in too short a time frame and unachievable it is a de facto production cap which means it's a violation of our constitutional right to choose to develop our own resources so those are the conversations we're having publicly right now 
There's Danielle Smith. She also went on to say that just transition is not a term that she likes at all. Um, so we're arguing over semantics here, but it feels like this year, if you look around the world, uh, that this whole notion of transition is speeding up very quickly. And that if we all want to be on board with this and for Canada to take any advantage of this, we need Alberta, um, that we better figure this out pretty quick. And it sounds like they're kind of talking past each other. Well, it very much feels like they're talking past each other, that, that you know, that they're both stating positions that we already know kind of what their positions are and they're not really looking to get anything done. I, I mean, one of the big pieces of this is when are we going to see this legislation? When are we going to see what this just transition or sustainable jobs looks like? And until then, there's going to be a lot of overheated rhetoric. I mean, right now, one of the issues in Alberta is the back and forth between the opposition and, and the government with the, the, the UCP asking Rachel Notley and the NDP, well, what, you know, why haven't you come out and said anything about it? Like it's just turning into a whole lot of politicking with the prime minister saying, you know, that, that Alberta is not doing enough, that we need to do more. And, and this, this whole idea of the transition and what it all means hanging in the air, we're not going to get past the politicking, right? Like, so, you know, Especially at the end of the day, Daniel, Daniel Smith has a point, right? That that yeah. this that this isn't being this isn't being handled well because there's not there doesn't appear to be a conversation. And if it's a, a piece of legislation that the feds want to bring in, they should at least kind of give the province of Alberta a heads up and say, "Here's what we want to do. How does this sit with you?" And you have an election coming up, of course, in May. So all of this is playing into, I mean, you can sort of see how the campaign is going to unfold now, right? It's pretty, you can already sort of see where the issues are lined up, who's going to be pitching what, you know? I mean, it's going to be the UCP defenders of the energy industry and so forth, try to plug the NDP and try to sort of put the NDP into bed with uh, the federal NDP and the prime minister. And, uh, you know, basically the NDP doing the opposite, sort of saying, well, look, they're, they're, they're out to lunch and we'll have a better relationship. Yeah, I mean, it is. <laughs> the, the question is, is whether the idea of a better relationship with the federal liberals and the the which is being propped up by the federal NDP is something that Albertans actually want and Alberta voters want. I think it would be not the best strategy for the NDP to go down that road. They really need no. to make themselves out to be a party that that cares about the Alberta economy and what drives Alberta's economy right now, the oil and and energy sector and so to get too cozy with a government that isn't seen favorably by a lot of albertans i think is is really not the best way to go there has to be some pushback and to rachel notley's credit she previously pushed back against the federal government on the on the quote-unquote no more pipelines bill and i think they were bill c48 and c69 but they were they were bills relating to the approval of energy projects and and the idea of getting pipelines out to the coast. That's the Rachel Notley that she needs to be in the, in the upcoming election. She needs to actually take a stand to sway a lot of voters. I think, I think there are voters who who are looking for a reason to potentially leave the UCP and, and look to back to Rachel Notley in the NDP, but she needs to give them a reason and getting too cozy and talking about strong relationships with an unpopular federal government isn't necessarily the way to do it. No. Well, we'll find out. I mean, it's it's heating up already. Uh, you know, today our question was, Dave, I only don't have a lot of time for you on this, but movie quotes that you drop into everyday conversation. 
I will I will preface this by saying my friends and I love movies from which I can't recite a lot of the quotes on air. Pulp Fiction doesn't really lend itself to to family radio. Yeah. But one of my favorite movie quotes to is is I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it from there Network. You go. Net, Network's a great movie. There you go. I recommend it. Mm-hmm. Dave, as always, thank you so much. I look forward to catching up again. All, you know, always stuff to talk about it when it comes when it comes to Edmonton. Excellent. Thanks, Ben.